Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Buy me a car. Fetch me a catch. I think you should have looked up the lyrics. I think that, I think I nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. This is Jen. And Steve. Yeah, it's an, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> I'm trying to be the positive one this time, so I'll be Jen. Oh, okay. So this is interesting, folks. When we started finally posting the podcasts, you don't really know this now um, because we didn't get to alter them at all before we started posting them. But we had we had recorded them starting in December of 2018, and probably the last one you heard, one dot six, was I don't know towards summer. February. I think it was that long ago. Could have been. And we recorded all the way up to like 12 episodes before we ever posted our first one. So when you start to get to the later ones, uh, you might hear a couple references. Actually, no, there's only one that that is still alive. So I just took a new job, and it was sort of a big move up in my career. But in the process of giving up my old work computer where I had all the Audacity files for all of our recorded episodes that occurred after 1.6 – which you've we've already posted so far. Uh, in the transfer of them, trying to just email them over to my new work computer or our existing home computer. Uh, whenever I try and pull them up, they won't pull up. I might figure it out eventually how to get them back, but for now, it would seem as though they're gone. So we are potentially re-recording episodes seven through, I guess, sixteen. Yeah. So so much for our head start that we had, but you know, I think there's a silver lining in that. Now we know a little bit more, and I think hopefully our podcast will be a little bit better. And I switched from Audacity. I got a Mac for my new job, so I switched from Audacity to using the Mac with radio. Was it called Radio GarageBand. GarageBand? Thank you. Which thankfully my work already put on the laptop for me, so oh, <laughs> didn't even have to download it. But we we did some testing. The sound actually comes out a lot better. So I don't know. Maybe this is a blessing in disguise. I think so. We already had the notes for all the episodes, so really we just have to rewatch. The episode once over, and you know, it, you know, and recording's fun, so I don't mind it so much. Yeah. Darn, we have to watch the episodes again. We hate that. What we, what you may hear announced on the sixteenth episode or seventeenth episode is that we're excited to announce that we've, you know, got a lot of listeners now, a few around the around the world. Yeah, so now it might be backwards. Who knows how many we'll have by the time episode seventeen actually comes out? Yeah, I think but. in seventeen we and we recorded seventeen on Sunday. Yeah. Yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> when we have trouble in current time, too. But when we recorded it, we had said we had probably about 20 listeners that we could see through the social apps. And we're now on Stitcher. and Yeah, and there's even more now. I checked again this morning. And again, that's not counting anybody from Apple Podcasts. So. Which it's hard to interpret who's listening through Apple Podcasts. Yeah, Apple Podcasts just is not giving us the data like, because I mean, at the bare minimum, me and you listen, <laughs> and that's not even reflected. Yeah, right. It says a whole bunch of people listen to the first episode, and then no one to the next six after that, or five after that, and we know we've listened to them, so it should at least have captured us. But, anyways, that's not interesting. What is interesting is the matchmaker, which I like. Me too, but we forgot to announce who we are. So, this is Runkle Recaps, How I Met Your Podcast. You probably knew that because you clicked on it, but. 
I feel like we usually do an introduction. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Runkle Recaps, How I Met Your Podcast, episode 1.7, The Matchmaker. And I really liked this episode. Had some good laughs, some good classics, um, and then some more of the like laying of the groundwork of who the characters are. I surprisingly only ranked at 91. Huh, that's surprising. Yeah, it's the second highest of what the folks that are listening right now will have heard. But there's a, quite a few that are higher than 91 coming after this. And um, I certainly don't feel like I liked them better than this. But, you know, I have a methodology. i got to stick to it. So I'm not going to make adjustments now. 91, IMDb only has it at 7.8. And there, there's oh. quite a few that we kind of like that, that were at 7.8. Hmm. I, we're not... We're not looking through the same lens, I guess, as the average viewer that ranks these on IMDb, because I think it is a viewer average. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, we're going to jump in. There's two stories going on here that don't really intermix with each other. One is Ted and Barney, and eventually just Ted, are engaged in a matchmaker situation. And then there's, alternatively, Lily and Marshall encounter a strange animal in their home. And I think both stories work really well. Yeah. They are very entertaining. Lots of funny things ensue. We start off with the narrator, as usual, talking about how love, kids, love is not a science. The kids try to flee, but he persists and they come back. <laughs> so we get a, an opening that clearly wasn't kind of meant for to be used more than once or to, on, on more than one story. We start off in McLaren's. Lily and Marshall entered, and they are extremely freaked out and start to tell the gang why. Lily takes a drink of <laughs> Barney's scotch that's on the, on the table. Barney's annoyed, and this becomes a running theme throughout the show. And it's a silly thing, but I like it. It's always funny. In the flashback, we have, they're at Ted and Marshall's, and Lily and Marshall are making out. They're coming to the apartment they're making out. And as they're moving backwards into the apartment, they spot a rodent, or so they think. Some unknown creature. Marshall believes it to be a mouse. Wait, before, before we go into that, because they, they start to talk about it more when we get to the next scene, but they switch from us looking at Marshall <laughs> and Lily from the right. side to what would be the rodent's view. Right. And then them running away and, and fleeing the scene. Wait, so you're taking Marshall's side? It is a mouse? No. All right, rodent-type creature? But that's, I think, would be our first impression of... Although, why would they run out of the apartment from a mouse? It's a giant mouse or cockroach. No, no, I'm just saying, <laughs> like, my first instinct would be a rodent, but why would they run from a rodent? It wasn't just any rodent. It had an exoskeleton. We don't know this yet. I'm talking about us as uh, viewers in the first scene. Sorry. <laughs> no, okay, I'm there now. Nothing would make us think they would run out unless it was, I don't know, a giant tarantula or something. I don't know. I don't know. I might run out if I saw a mouse. No, you would, but... <laughs> yes. They are also people. Okay, moving along. They get to McLaren... We're back in the McLaren scene, and Marshall and Lily start arguing whether it's a mouse or a cockroach, because... Marshall assumed it was a mouse. Lily said that it had antennae. Barney makes fun of Marshall for running, for running away from a cockroach. And Marshall says, hey, it was a mouse. And I like how Barney's like, oh, yeah, that makes you a man. I, Building on my point. 
Yeah, I don't know that Barney would have done any differently. True, Barney's... We don't see him sticking around for the entrapment. When danger happens, Barney usually does run away pretty quickly. And comically. Yeah. He's a good runner. Mm. He's a good, like... He's very cartoony. Yeah. It's one of my favorite Barney moves. Yeah, and although he's, you know, masculinity shaming him, it's, I actually think it works in this scene. <laughs> we, we usually kind of warn against that, or maybe at least we did in the eight missing episodes. I'm not sure if we've done it in the first six, but we talk a lot about it's how there's, yeah, we talk a lot about how uh, there's a lot of uh, masculinity shaming in this, which is not so so much okay these days. And yeah, and there's a lot of like transphobic language later. Is there? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, Robin is pointing is trying to get Ted's attention towards her newscast on the TV. She says that Ted especially should pay attention to it, and it's Robin reporting on a matchmaker named Ellen, whose matchmaking business is very successful. 100% success. And Ellen's pay, played by Kath, uh, Cameron Mannheim, who you don't see her as much these days. Mm-hmm. She was in a lot of like 90s drama, evening dramas, like The Practice and Ghost Whisperer and Person of Interest. Actually, some of those are 2000s, yeah. but... But she was more of that era. Um, and she does a good, really good job in this. Yeah. She's definitely entertaining. And she's still, she's so pretty. Agree. So she's a, got a scientific computer program that's a matchmaker. It's 100%. They have a whole bunch of pictures of couples. And she tells Robin those are just the attractive ones. Apparently she keeps the ugly ones in the bathroom. All of a sudden a, a woman walks in to, I guess, start her process. You can kind of see her in the background. And that piques Barney's interest. Wait a second. She's, she's a client? Ted thinks that going to a matchmaker is giving up. Barney convinces Ted that the two of them should go. They disagree. Then we get to Lillian Marshall still arguing about the mouse versus the cockroach. And I think it was Marshall. Yeah, Marshall said the only way it's a cockroach is if he was wearing the skin of a mouse he just killed. And then they just look in horror like, oh, my God, maybe that's what happened. <laughs> And then Lily drinks more Barney scotch. We're at the apartment. Ted's sitting there on the couch, I think, reading. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you can kind of hear what is probably the cockamouse. But before, something kind of scratching in the background. Yeah, before they, that can manifest into anything, he gets interrupted by Barney bursting in. And Barney says his boat is sinking. Ted doesn't think Barney, didn't know Barney had a boat. But Barney's convincing and has pretty good boat lingo going so (laughs) i think that's why ted's easily confused in this episode he is and also barney's very convincing he's playing it with urgency he's got like you said the lingo down so but of course it would make no sense because what is ted gonna do to help him (laughs) if the boat's sinking is he gonna help him pull it out or stop it why would he stop at ted's if it's sinking he should just go ted offers nothing to the situation if it's a true situation and there's no way that barney bought a boat Months ago, and didn't tell them. <laughs> Probably, but when somebody comes running in, acting like it's a crisis, you just go with it, I guess. At least in TV world. Yes, exactly. Okay, so it, it was it was a ruse to get Ted to the matchmaker office, and I like how you know they just kind of jump into they're both already filling out the forums. <laughs> right. it's, there's no you know you bastard or anything like that. I think it works better that way. Yeah, definitely. So we're at the matchmakers. Barney is 
incredibly great in this scene. <laughs> the writing they gave him for this. Now we're getting into really strong Barney world. Yeah, yeah. This is the Barney. And we saw it a little bit last week um, in the Halloween episode of his different you know, strategies for picking up women starting to get a little bit stronger. Not his game, but his techniques of fooling them. Right. So we hear good lines from him like, I want to stop being me and start being a we. Sounds like he really rehearsed these things. Yes. Is there any way I can let it be known that I love cuddling? <laughs> and then he gets into sort of a, a you know, cry, wake up crying at night. And it, I think it's just a, a, a bridge too far. And Alan, Yeah. I wonder at what point did she already realize, like, was she buying it for a little bit and then he just went too far? I think that's what it was. And she does a really good job of not sort of slowly getting there. It just, it's a quick... <laughs> turnabout of, okay, that's it, get out. It works better that way. Yeah. But it seemed like she was buying it initially. Like, oh, yeah, she kind of like gives him a little smile and writes something down, and maybe that's when she noticed the name on the <laughs> application. Yeah, and she threatens Barney, and but convinces Ted to stay. She says, you know, he's good-looking, and, he, obvi- and he's an architect. She can work with that, and he didn't use an obvious fake name like Jack Package, which is actually <laughs> what... And we hear Barney outside. It's pronounced Pacage. <laughs> so it's French. <laughs> so she promises Ted she will have him a match within three days. He's still a little skeptical, but she gives him some math. And you said you wrote down the equation. <laughs> yeah, so I, I have a little trouble with this math. And she really makes a, a giant leap in one place. Uh, you know, for, early on, she's going, she's, you know, cruising along. And then she makes a huge jump, and he doesn't notice, and he's freaked out. So she starts with 9 million people. You, you take out men, it's 4.5 million people. If you only want people within five years, plus or minus his age, we're down to 400, 482,000 people. Women, not people. Well, sorry, women. Um, take out the 48% that are already in relationships. And she starts. she stops giving the numbers at this point, so... I, I kept doing the math. If, if it's 48% of, of folks that are, you take out the 48% that are already in a relationship, we're down to 231,000. The ones that are not intelligent, which are half of them, get it down to 115,000. And then the next subtraction is ex-girlfriends, relatives, and lesbians. And you're left with <laughs> eight people. So over 100,000 people are relatives, exes, or lesbians? 114,000. Uh, 992. I mean, Ted's an architect. Apparently. Presumably he's good at math. You would think. But again, he's getting a little flustered in different scenarios this episode. Yeah. Ted's typically smarter than this, but for the purpose of this storytelling, he <laughs> had works. to be an idiot. And I like how he's, he's, he doesn't believe her, and then she turns the calculator towards <laughs> him to show him the eight, as if that's the proof. That's the definitive. <laughs> the calculator says eight. <laughs> she doesn't have to show her work on that one. I like it. <laughs> so we're over at McLaren's again, and Lily and Marshall are going over more cockamouse business. They said it's bigger now. It's been feeding. <laughs> like Marshall's got a great face when he says that. They go into another th- flashback, and they're on the couch enjoying each other's company, and then they clearly see the cockamouse. I think, again, we see it from the cockamouse's mm-hmm. viewpoint. Yeah, they haven't named a cockamouse yet, by the way, right? So, it, Yeah, shortly making, thereafter in the scene they do. We're making a leap here a little bit. 
And so she sprays it with something. He throws a yellow pages at it, and then the yellow page starts moving. So it obviously didn't do anything. Well, I, I noticed, like, a couple little things throughout here. And they make it very, like, horror movie-esque. Where, you know, they obviously have this plan. She sprays it with something. He smashes it with the phone book. And then they kind of, like, embrace each other. He's like, it's over. Yeah, it's like a good comforting <laughs> scene, like the end of a, a Law & Order episode. Or I'm thinking, like, you know, the... You know, like, you know, I know what you did last summer where they, like, killed the serial killer and they think oh, he's dead yeah. kind of thing. That's much better. Yeah, that's kind of the impression I get throughout this episode. So I thought it was really funny. And then is when you see it, like, kind of, like, moving along the yellow pages on top of it. And now they have a, a better description of it. It has six legs, a hard exoskeleton like a roach, tufts of fur, and a <laughs> tail. And they said it's some sort of mutant combination. Robin's acting very cynical and dubious. Oh, yeah. Ted enters and mentions that they left the front door open. (laughs) Marshall's got a great (laughs) delivery of, there was no time. (laughs) So good. Ted sits down and starts talking about the matchmaker that they promised in three days he'd have his match. It's been five days. He starts to kind of freak out, and they tell him not to Ted out about it. And then they go through the variations of how they use his name to describe you're going to Ted out to overthink, to Ted up to overthink with disastrous results. And this is, again, a very sitcom trope of the using somebody's name as a verb to mean something unflattering. Yeah, we, yeah, we had that as a Monica and Friends. Mm-hmm. And can you think of any other ones? Not off the bat. The Monica one was one I kind of had. Locked, and, lo- locked and loaded. Yeah. But I'm sure there's other ones. Write to us, listeners. Recaps at gmail.com. Let us know if you can think of any. Tweet us at Runkle Recaps. Ted agrees not to do Ted out or Ted in or whatever the variations are. And then they cut to it 20 minutes later. He's back at the matchmakers. And Ellen has a good delivery of, you know, I don't know how to break this. This is going to be really tough. Well, she tries to play it off like, oh, the computer's still crunching its numbers. Yeah, and, and then she's she not really run- trying to <laughs> tell him right away. Right, and then she goes into the, this is going to be hard to say. You didn't have any matches. Oh, that wasn't hard at all. <laughs> right. That was pretty good. So she explains the system. It needs to be a 7.0, was it like compatibility rating? 7.8, or I think, or oh, somewhere I in the sevens. That. Yeah, so that's the only way that she would match somebody, and he has zero and then he looks at the computer screen and notices there's somebody that Wait, he, we're not there yet. No? Yeah. Um, first she says, if only you were gay. Oh, and he right. says, well, I'm not. She goes, a little bi, maybe? <laughs> I mean, if he really wants to be with someone, he'll change his sexual orientation. I That's guess. how it works. Exactly. Did you know how many piercings she, piercings she had did. on her ear? I, I remember the first time we recorded lot. that, I mentioned that. You hadn't noticed I it at that time. I did notice it this time. And back in your utes. My utes. When you were a ute. You I didn't had. have that many. How many did you have at most on each ear? Um, I don't remember on each ear. I feel like I had 13 piercings in my head total. But that included tongue, eyebrow. Do you still? No, you don't have tongue. What? You've never had tongue since I've known you. No. You just have nose and ears. Oh, yeah. Now. That's new. I didn't have that. Did I have that when we? No, I would have had that when we recorded. No, because... <laughs> Remember when you told me you were going to get it, I was like, don't, what are you doing? That's, that's too young. You're, stop trying to look younger. So what do you and, think of it now that I've had it for I mean, a year and I, kn- <laughs> I knew I would get used to it. I just, I don't know, it seemed like a strange choice for a woman in her mid-30s to me. 
That's funny because there's a ton of people I know my age that have them. So did you do you like it now or you just tolerate it? That's quite the Algonquin round table you must hang out at. Yes, because piercings are (laughs) the equivalent of intelligence. Um, Like it. I wouldn't say I like it, but I just, it's like I don't notice it. Okay. I'll take it. It's neutral. It's neutral. Well, I like it, and that's the important thing. But no, I did not have the 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 string of, <laughs> or the what would you call that? Like, yeah, just the ongoing pattern of them. Trying continuing on with with the matchmaker, you were as you were saying, he he's looking closer at the p- computer. She warns him off, "Don't touch the computer," which <laughs> I thought was a little unnecessary, but wasn't bad. And he sees that he's a ninety six with someone nine point six nine point yeah a nine point six, and she's already been matched up. Only to an but, 8.5, which you can see on the screen, I guess. But why would she still have matched him up with her? You would th- you would think she would have it's taken that out. Algorithm? Maybe it does it on... Yeah, I mean, you would think it would take out the people yeah. already matched. But That's a false positive. Yeah, we got to just go with it to that's the storyline. Yeah, that's how they <laughs> have to get to the next thing. All right. And she says, don't lose hope. Women are, new women are turning 18 every day. Although that would fall outside of his five-year... That's true. And I was thinking about it. We would not get matched up through Love Solutions because you're more than five years older than me. That actually was one of the things I was kind of in my head when I was thinking about coupling up with anybody is that I'd want them within five years of my age. Well, you're stuck with me now. Mm. Like a nose piercing. (laughs) Hey, my nose piercing is removable. I am not removable. You're stuck with me. Okay. Happily. <laughs> All right. They they leave the office. Ted leaves with her, but then he sneaks back in and prints off Sarah's info, the woman that he's a 9.6 match with. And I feel like I brought this up in the first time we recorded this, but, like, this is New York City. You don't leave your door unlocked. And he came back too quickly for her to <laughs> right. not have noticed his turning back around and going back in. Unless, like, there's a stairwell or a door immediately. She would have had to have fallen through a trap door. <laughs> right. Hello. <laughs> Good night. That was our five-year-old Tyler. Right, so Ted steals, well, prints off the information and then sneaks back out. We go back to McLaren's, and there's a crowd <laughs> around Lily and Marshall, and Marshall's not dancing in the middle of it. Oh, that's true. But they're hearing about and seeing their drawing of a cockamouse, <laughs> of the cockamouse. Was it like a little uh, blackboard that they're carrying around? Yeah. <laughs> and Is that the blackboard from my classroom? <laughs> Robin's there amongst the crowd, kind of playing, <laughs> the, heckling. playing the heckler Yeah, to them. And the drawing looks a little bit like a potato, so she makes a horrible cock-a-potato-mouse joke. And I don't know if it was supposed to be as stupid as... It sounded because she sort of laughs to herself and seems like she might be a little drunk. Right. But this is a theme with Robin that she always says stuff that she thinks is funny and nobody else does. And then eventually she usually gets mad about it. (laughs) Or she gets called out for it. This time they kind of let it go. But I I think this is kind of early. I don't know. I think they might. I think the writers might have thought that was funny. It's tough to tell. I don't know. The way she kind of like giggled to herself made me think it's like one of those things that just she thinks is funny. Could be. Yeah. All right. Ted's talking about 
how he matches up with this woman. He's looking at the sheet and he's reading it out to Barty and whoever's sitting there at the table with them. You know, she says she likes brunch. She wants two children. Her guilty pleasure song, Summer Breeze. And she hates phonies. They're meant to be. Yeah. Barney makes a, another masculinity comment of, yep. wow, it sounds like she's your perfect guy. Or you're her perfect girl. Yeah, I think he said that you're her perfect woman. They, they're, <laughs> Lily and Marshall are, are uh, spouting out more facts about the cockamouse as they assume it's hermaphroditic. <laughs> they're taking some leaps here scientifically yeah they really don't know these things eventually and we get to its diet yeah it's like it's great fond of cheese why do they know that well i guess they're assuming because they think it's half mouse and they it like cereal oats or something like that <laughs> and grains yeah and rob is just sitting there cutting on them there's a lot we don't know well we do know that doesn't exist <laughs> And I can't remember, somehow the Loch Ness Monster gets brought up, and Marshall, we, I don't think we've learned this yet, but Marshall's you know, fairly obsessed with the Loch Ness Monster and all things supernatural, although I think we're not supposed to call it the Loch Ness Monster, because it has negative connotations. <laughs> Nessie's not a monster. <laughs> I think that comes up in a later episode. We're trying to steer away from monster stereotypes. But yeah, <laughs> like, yes, it's like the Loch Ness Monster and that it totally exists and is awesome. <laughs> I like how Ted says, she is a dermatologist, I have skin. <laughs> oh, that was kind of a good line. Yeah, he's, he's starting to reach, but. Ted goes and visits Dr. Sarah as posing as a patient, saying he has a, a mole that he wants her to look at. And as she's sort of getting things sorted out, he starts singing Summer Breeze. Oh, and you is skipped that, my <laughs> my little silly joke that I like, where oh, he introduces himself please. as Architect Mosby, <laughs> because he wants to say his job, too, since she's doctor whatever. And he's clearly just trying to... Show off. Yeah, sort of name drop his profession right. to impress her. I mean, do you want to do that now with your new job, Director Runkle? No. I'm taken. <laughs> We're like a 9.3 or something, I'm sure. Well, I was just again. Do you want to brag to the podcast world? Introduce yourself by your profession. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, he starts singing "Summer Breeze" and she joins in. And then he he kind of sums up all the things they have in common into sort of one or two sentences. Right. I heard it at brunch. Yeah, I love brunch unless there's a bunch of phonies there. So he decides to ask her out. He, I kind of like the way he says, this is going to sound strange, but it'll sound a lot stranger when my shirt's off, so I'm going to say <laughs> right. it now. And finds out she's married. Sure, she's getting married uh, in a couple days. We're back at Ted and Marshall's. i got to back it up again. So another theme that we see here is, yeah, he asks out a dermatologist. You know, give it a few seasons. He's going to ask out Stella again, another dermatologist. Yeah, that's like, true. This Ted is- has no respect for the patient-doctor relationship here. At least this one, the second one, he meets her because he actually does need to be a patient. This one, right. he fakes it. Right. But does he, I think he asked her out, like, after their first appointment, too. Um, yeah, you might be right. And then they sort of go out on that faux date because she brings her friends. Yeah. And she doesn't know it's a date. Right. But I can't remember if it's the first visit. Probably. Oh, I can't wait for that. That's so good. <laughs> Because that intermixes with all the other stories of um, 
Lily and Marshall with the other couple down the hall. Oh, that's right. Barney oh dating Wendy the waitress and Robin dating her co-host. The, oh my gosh, what is this rule called? Is it the it's the new golden rule, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll get there one day. We have so we're dead in Marshalls, and Marshall and Lily are setting like a really hokey, <laughs> cartoonish trap of you know a box with a stick. <laughs> I guess maybe they put some cheese in there. And Robin's there and makes fun of them about you know whole you know Roadrunner. <laughs> Do you think the Roadrunner is going to fall for it? Yeah, pretty good. And then Marshall and Robin get into it about a natural phenomenon. And, you know, they start going through the Bigfoot and, and all those that she says, this is, this is a figment of your imagination, like those other things. Right, so we have Bermuda Triangle, ghosts, and Bigfoot. And Robin's response is bad maps, creaky houses, and a hillbilly in a gorilla suit. Um, I don't believe in Bigfoot. What was, what was the first? Bermuda Triangle. I don't know Bermuda Triangle. I, I think it's just a bad weather area. But ghosts I definitely believe in. I've listened to a few podcasts about the Bermuda Triangle, and it's mostly been disproven. Really? Yeah. Ghosts I definitely believe in. I've, I've heard too many credible stories. I'm continuing my stance as a ghost non-believer because I don't want to be haunted. So you don't get haunted if you don't believe in ghosts. Jen, Tyler, and I stayed in a Airbnb in Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, like a month and a half ago. Was it that long ago? It was over Labor Day. How long ago was it? I can't keep track of time anymore. About, Almost, a, about a month and a half. Yeah, five, right. yeah four to six, <laughs> about six weeks ago. And I've, I've done some work in Harper's Ferry with some government agencies where they, they occupy some, some building space there, and they have a lot of ghost stories that I believe them because they all kind of have the same occurrences of one guy saw somebody, and they generally hear footsteps on a floor where nobody has offices above them, things like that. So our Airbnb was next door to a cafe. It was a pretty good little restaurant. Yeah, it was. And I was talking to the owner of the restaurant and because he, he noticed us moving into the Airbnb for a couple of days and had struck up a conversation with me earlier that day. And I was mentioning to him the ghost stories, and he said, oh, we have a ghost in here. And so we're on the bottom floor of the restaurant. There's an uh, t- uh, upstairs as well. And he said, yeah, there's a little girl that haunts us. He said that she, you know, when if you're here early enough in the morning, you can hear her moving around stairs and running around upstairs. Moving, I'm sorry, so moving around chairs. I'm like, that is so cool. And he's, they even had a picture of her that I guess they had in town or something that kind of people always knew about this little girl or something in, that, in this place. Okay, so cut to late night, me trying to sleep <laughs> and just wondering if the little girl's going to come over to say hi. Because these buildings were attached. Yeah, and... <laughs> I mean, not that that really matters for ghosts, but... And, you know, every time... And we had our dog with us, so every time I walked by the windows of the other house, I was kind of looking in at night, waiting to see if I'd see a little face looking out at me. I really wanted to see her during the day, but not so much at night. <laughs> Anywho. If you want a really good ghost podcast, so I'm not a ghost believer, but I enjoy listening to some ghost stories sometimes. Um, Ghosts in the Burbs is really good. Oh, really? Really. I'll have to look that one up. Yeah, I I tend to believe them if the person I'm um, interacting with says it convincingly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know anybody personally 
that has told me a good ghost story that I full on believe. I know a lot. No, I know you do. I just don't. Yeah, I, don't, I haven't had that. Yeah, same. I think. Yeah, I think you have to go through that. Is uh, this person's really credible? And right. Their story wasn't just like, oh, I thought I saw something and her. It felt a breeze. It's like if right something very li- unexplainable happens. I had one thing happen to me once, but it was it, it was explainable. We just couldn't find the explanation. Right. But no, I'm sticking with my uh, ghosts are not real stance. You just don't want them to be because you don't want to ever run into one. Exactly. So that is my stance. If I don't believe in them, then they will not haunt me. Remember, you know how Tyler's been watching those? Tyler's our five-year-old, if you haven't heard it a million times already. Tyler's been watching those old cartoons. Mm -hmm. So he's watching one where it's... The one where Goofy's a ghost? Well, no, I'm thinking of the one where the three of them are like Ghostbusters, and they have to go... Have you seen that one with them? No. Yeah, it's Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse, and Goofy are like... They advertise that they'll get rid of ghosts. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. And we did four ghosts are bored in a house, and so they right. call them and sort of invite them over, right. pretending that they're the people that own the house, so just they can be entertained for a while. Right. And like one of the... Goofy or one of them are like... We're not scared of any ghost. I'm like, this is totally where Ghostbusters got its story. <laughs> it had to be. Yeah, because it was like a really old-looking Mickey Mouse, too, wasn't it? Well, I mean, the, the, yeah, the cartoon was from the 50s or 40s. It was an older cartoon. Right. Yeah, there's another one in that same grouping um, that has Goofy being a ghost trying to haunt Donald, and it's not working. So, yeah, and that one was Beetlejuice. Oh. Because there was a, he was being taught in a, out of a manual how to scare a human out. Right. I think that Beetlejuice and Ghostbusters came from those two cartoons. Wow. You've cracked it. I, we've got a whole other podcast cooking. <laughs> Our conspiracy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Strictly around animation. All right. Where'd we leave off? That They're setting a trap. Conspiracy theory hour. Yeah, they get to aliens and. You and I discussed this the first time we <laughs> recorded this episode, but uh, you know, since since this episode of How I Met Your Mother, all this stuff has come out about the Navy now oh, that's releasing right. all the information on aliens. Well, it's not aliens; it's just unidentified flying. Right. I think they phrase it something different. It's not unidentified flying objects, but it's like unidentified something. Right. I can't remember what it's called either, but they're starting to sort of be more believability about. UFOs because of some of the recordings of, you know, just there's nothing that we know of technology-wise that can move like this and what we have. Well, and I have another podcast recommendation, too. There's a really good podcast called The End of the World with Josh Clark, and it just talks about all these different scenarios for, you know, how the world could end. But one of them is kind of talking about aliens and, you know, why don't we see aliens, different rationale for it. So it's really interesting. How many podcasts do you listen to? I probably have like 200 on my... I don't listen to them all, but I, every time I hear about one, that I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting, I'll add it to my feed, and I will never, ever, ever be caught up on anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ted comes in and breaks the bad news about Dr. Sarah getting married, and Marshall kind of is carrying on with his alien talk. I think he comes out with a book and is yes, kind of quoting from Roswell. the book. Yeah, Roswell. It was a it was a foggy night that night or something like that. <laughs> kind of setting the stage for it. Yeah, and then we never get back to it. Yeah, and then we, we hear a message from Dr. Sarah on the answering machine, and she wants Ted to come back in. And I think at this point I kind of assume that she does 
she has changed her mind a little bit. I, obviously, now we've seen it enough times that we know that that's not the case, but I was sort of convinced. Yeah, I mean, and knowing that he had asked her out and said, like, you know, call me if you change your mind. Right. There is a... They set it up a little bit. They did set it up, and I think also as the doctor, maybe she has a slight responsibility to be like, I have your test results. <laughs> not like, I really need to talk to you. <laughs> I guess. I think she sort of dismissed the whole idea of him asking her out, so she probably wasn't even thinking of that. Yeah, that's probably true. We get into a little back and forth with Lily versus Ted on going after the engaged woman. I don't yeah. really want to go down that Lily road. Lily is but. not having it. And that's, yeah, I mean, that's about it. Lily's not into it, I guess. As an engaged person, she's... Mad that Ted's not more respectful, I guess. Okay, the trap works and catches the cockamouse. And it happens like 30 seconds after Robin and Barney walk out the door. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot Barney (laughs) Barney was there. And Marshall says, okay, he's going to take it to a guy he knows at a lab at Columbia University. Lily objects, no, 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 they're going to experiment on him, and that's so <laughs> cruel. Can we just bash him with a baseball bat? <laughs> it's so funny, because that does seem sort of like modern thinking of how horrible experimentation <laughs> right. is, but killing an animal. Right. Just kill it. Don't let them do mean experiments on it. I, I can see the rationale. We go to the doctor's office. Ted walks in. He's looking pretty smug. <laughs> But it turns out that he has basal cell carcinoma. I think that's what this thing on my face was that I got frozen off. Oh. I was going to say, it sounds kind of serious, but I guess maybe not. But it's not, it's not dangerous, life-threatening. That's why they didn't make me get rid of it right away. Mm. So Ted kind of spins out and he Where finally... sunscreen? Ted spins out and, and, and brings up love solution. She's a little put off that he looked at her file, but... You know, he's saying, you know, how impulsive are you that you're getting married after three months? She says, how impulsive are you that you decide to ask me out after seeing me on a computer screen? See? We're both, both impulsive. impulsive. And at some point he starts singing Summer Breeze again, like that's going <laughs> to just convince her. Yeah, that was a strange choice. And he talks about how there was a computer and ate fish in a sea full of lesbians. <laughs> there was math. I got confused. <laughs> we go to Columbia University. I, got, I like the line of... Marshall, this is going to blow your mind hole, <laughs> which I say all the time now. For some reason, mind hole really tickles me. I think it's in our podcast description. I think that's where we ended up putting that. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's empty. So <laughs> Marshall's face, oh no, Lily. Lily. And yeah, I'm back to like the horror movie <laughs> kind of parallel. We're at the apartment, and Robin finally gets to see the cockamouse. Uh, Lily sees it first and then points it out to Robin. They're both kind of freaked out. Robin throws a drink on it. And then Marshall heroically busts in. This is great. It's a really great scene because... And he uh, still has the gloves on. Yeah. <laughs> out of my way. He grabs it. Uh, we can get, you can kind of see its tail coming out. <laughs> yeah, I never noticed that before. Robin has to open the window and legitimately has a lot of trouble opening the window. You can tell that that was real. <laughs> And he throws it out, and then, oh, it can fly. fly. I love that. <laughs> now, I think it's more likely a combination of a roach and a squirrel, because you have flying cockroaches, mm. and you have flying squirrels. 
Now with the flying squirrels, they're really just gliding because they have a lot say, of can the, Would the squirrel skin. be able to then like turn around and come back towards them? No, they wouldn't, but the cockroach would with the wings. Ew. Yeah, I know. That really freaks you out, the idea of flying cockroaches. Ugh. No. Moving on. <laughs> the God's, <laughs> God's mistake. <laughs> the cockamouse turns back towards the window. It's coming back. <laughs> they slam it down just in time. I like when it hits a window. I mean, it's just obviously not something that was flying. It's like <laughs> so they just threw a prop <laughs> at the window. Well, doesn't the cockamouse come back? Like, something to do with... I don't think the cockamouse comes back. I, You said the Arcadia... I feel like it comes back. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's the thing with the snakes. I didn't say snakes. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. We'll have to wait till we get to it because that's still many seasons away. So. Yeah, I, I can't. I don't remember another mention of the cockamouse, but I'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Oh, something else I forgot to mention, and you and I disagree on this. I feel like the kitchen is on the other side of the front door later in, in later episodes, and you think it's no. already correct. I do not think But I'm just picturing scenes where I, I feel like that's the case. But I'll watch. I don't even want to jump ahead to check. I just kind of want to wait and see <laughs> if that happens. All right. Yeah, no, I, I think you're wrong. Okay, so the, we're to the last scene, and Ellen's... Uh, Ted enters the matchmaker office, and it's dark, and Ellen's sitting distraught in her chair with her head down, and he comes in wanting his money back, and I like how, you know, she did all these things to try and, you know, she... <laughs> She changed the algorithm. She widened the parameters. She tweaked the program. My favorite thing is she stood out on the street for five hours showing stranger passerbys his picture. There were no takers. <laughs> You're going to die alone. Ted convinces her. I, you know, I don't want to go through the whole thing, but Ted convinces her to keep trying. In his Ted sort of way of, I believe. Yep. And so, yeah, I'm not going to go into it, but I think it, I think it got cut out of the TV version because I don't remember... The first time that I'd watch this for our rewatch. Oh, about the trans. Yeah, just the language used was not appropriate for today. Um, so I think, rightfully so, they cut that out of the syndicated version, but it's still on the Hulu version. Right. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. But, uh, no, actually, no, that did occur to me when we were just watching it that I don't remember that being on the TV version. So I think you're right. His final, one of his final lines of, if a cockroach and a mouse can find love in this topsy-turvy world, so can I. <laughs> and she, she's like, you're losing me. The point is, okay, and that is pretty much it. He ends it with saying, this time you're going to do it for free. And She agrees, and she looks actually kind of happy about it, which is Yeah, good. everything works out. He, in later episodes, does get a call back from them. So we'll, we'll get to that in about 20 episodes. Yeah, I think it's the end of season one. So next week we have... The Duel. The Duel, which I'm not a fan of. I mean, it's sword fighting. Maybe we should bring Tyler in for sword fighting correspondent. He's really more into ninja sword fighting, not the swashbuckler kind they're doing on next week's episode. But um, what else is going on in that one? There's got to be something better because I I don't have it ranked all that bad. Let's see. Yeah, they're talking about who's going to have the apartment. Oh, yeah, it's all Lily's apartment. Oh, that's the good part. Yeah, Lily's yeah. apartment has, she hasn't been there in a while. It's become a restaurant without her knowing it. Right. That, that part's good. Yeah, no, there's definitely good, good spots to the next one. All right. Well, Jen and I have to get going because uh, our boat's sinking. So <laughs> Our boat's at a 45-degree angle. 
Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. And we look forward to doing this again next week. Oh, wait, hold on. So now, now we actually have our social media set up compared to yeah oh, when we yeah, they actually have to... recorded episode six. So we are at RunkleRecaps at gmail.com, at RunkleRecaps on Twitter, and underscore how I met your podcast underscore on Instagram. So hit us up. Let us know what you think about the episode. If you have any comments or feedback on any of the um, episodes that we've covered so far, we are hoping to get some listener mail we can read or some feedback or, you know. Oh, that reminds questions. me. Yeah, if, if you write to us, let us know if you don't want us to share it. If you have, like, some points or a question, we're just automatically going to read it. Um, if, you, if you just have a comment to us that is just, you know, you enjoy what we're doing, we won't necessarily read it unless you're like, you know, please share with the world. I'm enjoying what you do. Or <laughs> I don't know. We, we'll, we'll read it if it's a question or something that we, we think is sort of a good point. But um, – if, if there's anything you don't want us to share or don't want us to post, you're just saying hi, then feel free to tell us that, and we'll make sure not to, not to mention it. All right. Well, that's all I got. Thanks, everyone.